turn you guys up in my headphones. Hey, other Chris. Hey. Yo. What's up? How does it feel to still not have a camera on you? You know, I don't know. I mean, there's <laughs> good things and bad things about it, I suppose. Yeah. Is that you have no idea if I'm paying attention or not. Or like, <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm like trying to talk or something. Or if you're completely nude. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't that know. was the thing I was going to mention as a positive. <laughs> so like, what you're telling me is you probably are... And that's why you don't have a camera. No, I definitely am. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, next time we should talk about a book that we don't read. <laughs> I mean, why I wait? I got a lot of those. We could talk about that now. Welcome back to RTFB, our book slash movie club podcast. This is Travis, and I want to say at the top of the show today that I am really excited that you're here for this episode. First and foremost, I'm excited just to discuss the middle two sections of 2001 with Chris and other Chris. Secondly, I'm excited because if you're hearing this episode, it means you probably are actually interested in being here and are listening on purpose. I mean... I'm sure I'll be able to pester my wife, my friends, my colleagues enough to guilt them into listening to the first few episodes of the podcast, and maybe I'll be able to bring them back around for the movie review later, but if you're here listening now, you're in it with us. You're down in the trenches just like we are, and you may even have formed your own opinions about the practicality of spinning toilets, so a special thank you if you're hearing this. You may now consider yourself my personal favorite listener. If you'd plan on reading along and are hoping to avoid spoilers, make sure that you've already read through parts 3 and 4, Between Planets and Abyss, before moving forward with the remainder of this episode. Otherwise, we'll rejoin my chat with the Chris's already in progress. Uh, He's been going on and on about Apollo 11, though, because we went and saw that movie. Yeah. Uh Instead of seeing Wonder Park with his little brother. Mm -hmm. It was pretty awesome. Cool. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I just kept thinking the whole time, like, this is fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very uh, grounding to see that kind of footage they have. It's basically like people wandering around with, you know, iPhone cameras, essentially, recording shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, uh, I don't even really like going on a roller coaster when it's going up the hill. I can't imagine riding that elevator up, sitting on like a skyscraper that's going to fly. Like, yeah, yeah, like, no, I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be out. It just wouldn't happen. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to mention the skyscraper could like explode. Right. And right. Ha- and had before. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had a good chance of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's something. <laughs> People did. You, you had precedence for your fears of that thing blowing the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did. I read a I read a book a while uh, a while ago um, called Ignition, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, basically um, it's it's kind of a a memoir of a propellant chemist, mm-hmm. and so like he he was one of the people that worked on like rocket fuel and oxidizers like during the period where uh, we developed all these different rocket fuels and oxidizers. Uh-huh. And his, huh. you know, his idea behind writing it all down was basically like we have all of these propellant chemists now that like don't know the history, and they might look into some of these things thinking they're promising, and like I assure you, they're not. Like some of these things are <laughs> right. like really horrible and dangerous, and there's a reason that we don't use them. And like, yeah. and and so he talks about like all this horrifying chemistry, and you get to, you know, you get to. Um, you you get to learn about the term hypergolic, for example, mm-hmm. which just means that when you put two things together, they burst into flames, Ooh. like immediately. Uh-huh. And and yeah. like some some of the some of the oxidizers he describes as like, oh, this is hypergolic with literally everything. <laughs> uh, you just you put it on something and it's on fire, and uh-huh. like. And, and some of the some of the oxidizers and fuels like they they uh, react so violently that like even a drop like destroyed their test equipment and like wow um, and I I remember I remember one like uh, particularly great passage uh, he he's talking about I don't remember I don't remember what uh, oxidizer it was but he was like uh, basically for this I recommend a good pair of running shoes. <laughs> Like, just get out of there because, uh, uh, like it'll, it'll burn through sand. It'll burn through concrete. It'll burn through whatever. Like basically it'll start a fire that you won't be able to put out. Jesus. Wow. Um, yeah. It'll keep burning. So just, just get out. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Yeah. Is it like what, is it what they've mined from that one city that's in, on fire all the time? Like in Silent Hill? <laughs> <laughs> is that what happened there? Yeah, totally. I think I think it was a it was a fluorine compound. Mm-hmm. Fluorine fires are terrible, so mm-hmm. stay away from fluorine. <laughs> making, Me too. making a note. Yeah. <laughs> First, learn what fluorine stay is. Away from fluorine. Step two, stay yeah. away from. I mean, there was like, I, I also remember reading about, uh, this was in a, a different place, but there was like one of the, one of the processes for refining, uh, uh, uranium, I think was like separating it into like uranium hexafluoride, uh, which like, yeah, already sounds like a <laughs> terrible disaster. Yeah. So yeah, fluorine, no good. Horrible idea. <laughs> How does one identify fluorine in the wild? Because this suddenly has become a concern of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you see things that don't normally burn, like, say, the ashes of things that have already been burnt, uh-huh. and they're burning, <laughs> uh, that's fluorine. 
Okay. Okay. Fluorine fluorine is basically a better oxidizer than oxygen. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm adding this to the category of like uh, grease fires. Don't put them out with water. Yeah. Fluorine. Don't don't put them out at all. Because you can't. Good luck. (laughs) 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 See, I learned something today. Yeah. Nice. So did did everybody actually complete the reading this time? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Chris is very pleased with himself, we can tell. <laughs> I uh I also finished it at lunch today, so oh, excellent. <laughs> I finished mine at six thirty. Nice. Yeah. So See, it works. Exactly right. I I got through like the last twenty pages last night, so Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did the uh the thing like I was trying to write a book report. I was like, I could read I could probably read a hundred pages in a night. I'm yeah, like, you I can. Sh- I should probably go sure. to sleep soon. Take a yeah. nap. Yeah. I can read it on lunch yep. break, but... Yeah. Got yeah. it done. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's all good. And it's been... It's getting interesting. Yeah, what, yeah. Are, what are your impressions of this? these next two sections, Between Planets and the Abyss? I think, especially for me, like, I forget the difference in portrayal of how. Uh-huh. how seems much more much more human-ish in the in the book. Right. Whenever I think of Hal, I just think of the movie portrayal. <laughs> right. Like, I can't do that, Dave. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's really still kind of mechanically... Yeah, well, it's it's like a blank affect, right? Like a psychic. Yeah. yeah. But reading, like, reading it, like, that's not the dialogue I'm getting in my head type of deal. Yeah. Like, Hal's yeah. much more of a being, yeah. you know... Even though he's a computer and he knows right. this about himself, but it's still much more of a being. And I was also kind of surprised, like how quick Hal, as far as we know at least, is like just over essentially. Oh. You know, in the story, in the story, it's like yeah. right now it's like a little like fart in the wind. Essentially, Hal <laughs> is here, and we talked with him a lot, and he tried to kill us, and now he's gone. Yeah. So, <laughs> on to the next thing, you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think I think that just goes along with like kind of the writing style, which is like let's establish the baseline, you know. Uh, yeah. Let's show all this like fancy technology that we're going to have in the future. Let's you know talk about like how great things are going to be. Uh, yeah. And then and then we'll we'll get to like the life altering like story thing. <laughs> right. You know? Like here's here's the thing that fucks it all up. <laughs> right. Like. Yeah. Which makes sense. Like. Given an artificial intelligence of that magnitude, but like having to have him sit with a, hey, I'm friends with these crewmates essentially, but I have to lie to them all the time. Yeah. But I'm also a computer, you know. So why? Uh, yeah. You know. I don't. I don't know that it's necessarily like so much that he's a, a computer. I guess. I, I seem to think of it more like. It's it's more like an artificial brain, and so you can't really yeah. think of it as like, uh, you know, like does not compute kind of thing. Right. Like it, right. it really is like they and psychologically the, damaged him. Yeah, they did, and I get the, the distinct did. impression they didn't even like they didn't realize that would happen because they yeah. don't really know. Like they know how it's complex, but like there's no way to know exactly how complex until 
cow is a conscious thing. Right. You know. Well, well they know now. <laughs> yeah, they do now. <laughs> yeah. Be hmm, maybe we shouldn't you. have had our system and have to lie about things. Well, they do mention yeah. that there's not too many of him. Like they only made a yeah, couple. Yeah, only like so three. Or I doubt they've done too much field testing. So. It's obviously a big surprise to everybody how he reacts to stuff. But, Great yeah. idea to send something like that into space, by the way. Right. On the yeah. furthest, yeah. furthest mission they've ever attempted. Yeah. It's like, right. this is good for a trial run. <laughs> like maybe they could have had him just be around the, the, the Earth or something for yeah. like 10 years. Who knows? You know? Then send him out in deep space. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, like, when they were talking about going by Jupiter passing over Europa, and I'm like, when did we figure out that Europa was like <laughs> ice planet with liquid water under the surface? Because their description of Europa is not that. Yeah. But by like later times, they seem to know this. But I'm like, when did we learn that? I think, <laughs> was it was it one of the Voyager flybys that we figured that out? I guess so. But I, I don't know when the Voyager flyby happened. Not like in the 70s? Yeah, I put it in the 70s, <laughs> I mean, that's but, how, that's but I don't right. know. Yeah. Yeah. The same with the moon, but I give them that, that's fine with that because we didn't figure that out for a long time. They're like, "Yeah, we used to think it was from the Earth, but it's not." I'm like, "No, actually, it is. We learned that later." Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> after we went to the moon and put like a Decades reflector later. on it, yeah, like, got some rocks and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty clear. The internet, yeah. the internet says Voyager One's flyby of Jupiter was in 1979. So. Well, there okay. you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the future from when that was written. Yeah. That was something I also picked up on, on during the uh, Apollo 11 documentary. Was uh-huh. uh, they have recording of, you know, Neil and Buzz being like, it's actually much easier to walk on the moon than we ever expected. Like, it's weird, but it's not that hard. Huh. Like, they hadn't even figured out yeah. uh, how that was going to affect them. And it's like they'd trained harder than it was actually going to be, which <laughs> called. To mind when you talk about the moon base in this book, where they're like, it was like they were super inertia turned one sixth slowly or whatever. So, guesswork. Um, People are pretty adaptable. Right. Basically, is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. I'll buy that. As long as you, as long as you have that feedback, I guess, like you can figure things out pretty quickly. So, um, so getting back to your other point, Chris, I had that same impression too. That like, it's very hard to divorce yourself from you know the movie version of Hal, mm-hmm. and that really like sedate like serial killer voice that they give him. But reading <laughs> in the book, when it's just it's just like quotes, it could just be another guy that's like, yeah, sitting like, in the hey, control room like. like so, Dave, how you doing today? Everything's fine in my system. Like, listen, How's that's... That, you know, like, listen, ba- man, come on. It's too bad about like, that one guy, right? Like, that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. too bad about Frank. He was a good guy. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, they... He, he, you know, goes to the trouble to point out that he was, like, another crew member, essentially. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, like, they use that exact phrasing. Like, he was the, you know, the third crew member that was awake. Right. Yeah, I mean that's the truth. Yeah, and I note I noted that this these sections especially seemed like littered with these little like snippets of foreshadowing, being like, except he was the only one who knew the truth, or 
Right. He thought he was doing this for the last time, but... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. But really, I'm like, uh, all right. (laughs) I mean, it's... It wasn't going to be. It's very easy to look back, you know, what, almost 60 years later and be like, come on, man, like, this is very basic, but at the time... I don't know how much, how advanced the writing is for the time period, so... Yeah, I mean, that's just one thing I can't really know what impact this book had when it came out with the movie, because it's been a part of our culture for so long, it's like, you know. I mean, I I think in terms of uh, science fiction, like, it's it's not treading, like, a lot of new ground, really, uh, for the time. Because, I mean, you already had, uh, you already had, like, Asimov talking about, uh, like, like what, what happens when you give, give robots directives that are impossible to follow in this kind of place? And, uh, you know, what, like, basically let's, let's give them some simple rules and then let's examine the consequences of those rules. And, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about traveling in deep space and like, even, even, uh, like, you know, Jules Verne was very much into uh, mathematically describing what was possible, even if they didn't know, like, completely what the science was at the time. Right. Um, So, I mean, I mean, there's, there's precedent for everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I think it's more useful to think of this as just like another interesting story of like what could have happened. Right. I think, I, I'm not sure if there's like other examples of like um, uh, this idea of, of uplifting, as it's as it's known in sort of the, the sci-fi circles, where you have a more advanced alien race that's kind of um, like handholding uh, a less yeah. advanced species and like like pushing them further along in their evolution, or like pushing them in a certain direction. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got that David Brin series of books that's about that stuff from the eighties. Yeah, I don't think that's as good though, from what I've heard. I don't know. <laughs> I never, I never read them, but I did have them at one point in time. Hmm. The Uplift Wars. Yeah. Now, see, I thought you were gonna be like uplifting as like the story is actually kind of you know inspirational <laughs> instead of just being like. <laughs> Today's sci-fi where everything is shit until the one chosen kid comes along and nah, yeah. whatever. Savior. Savior <laughs> characters. Because, you know, that's how it works in the real world. Yeah. It's always just one person saves everybody. Yep. Um, <laughs> never a group effort. Never. <laughs> no. My current favorite for that is um, Divergent. I've not read any mm-hmm. of these, but my wife has watched the movies. I haven't either. And yeah, like, I have the movie. Those are fun. She's special. She feels two ways about things. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yep. She has two emotions. So like, two or you more. Know, how fucked up was your, uh, were humans? I mean, oh, they think that in the last movie, but... You, like, remember, you remember that episode of Futurama? Like, uh, well, yeah, of course you remember the episode <laughs> of Futurama. Um, uh-huh. But but the the quote is like I I can't wait until I'm old enough to feel ways about stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I quoted that exact thing to my wife when watching that. <laughs> yeah. 
that one was, it seemed pretty bad. My wife loves it though, so I could just be missing out. Whatever. What is? Alright, so should we walk through some of the plot points on this actual book? Book we're talking about? Oh, hey, book. Hey, book. So, I mean, we've, we've talked about some of the highlights anyway, but, um, when we last left off, they had just uncovered the obelisk on the moon, which sent out a signal. But when we come back into the narrative in between planets, it's been two years since then, I think. Yep. And now we have a new dude, David Bowman, who's 30 days into a mission to Saturn from Earth on a spaceship yep. called Discovery. Dude has been on prior missions to the moon and to Mars, and we're led to believe is very highly trained, both as an astronaut and as a scholar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mentioned that he had been part of Project Jupiter when this was supposed to be a five-year mission just to Jupiter when they completely came in and reworked it to go on to Saturn instead. Right. The plan being that once they get there and do something, mm-hmm. they'll all go into hibernation until Discovery 2 comes along and picks them up. Right, which I feel is kind of a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, what's the guarantee they'll actually be able to do that? Yeah. They'll run out of funding or something. Right. uh, Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're like, eh, we'll just leave them out there. They'll be asleep. They're fine. We'll come get them in 50 years. That's that's why they pick, like, uh, you know, unmarried dudes, I guess. Yeah. Out Mm -hmm. there. Right. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) why they did. Well, I mean... It doesn't seem that long ago when I heard people being like, I'm going to sign up for this mission to Mars. It's going to be one way. I'm just going to die there. Uh, I would have done it if I was offered a (laughs) good position, but that fell apart. I'm sure there's people out there that would do it, but it does seem weird when they're like comparing it to, I can't help but compare it to the Apollo mission that I just watched in the documentary where they're like, got a thousand million people with a very distinct plan of different project managers for different subsections of just going to the moon and back. Like, here's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to burn for exactly this long, and then we're going to pick you up in the ocean or whatever. Right. Well, go to Saturn. It's... It'll be... We'll get you. Like, text me when you get there. Yeah, it'll be fine. You won't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you get there. You'll You'll be asleep. You won't know. (laughs) So, um... I was amused because they talk about David Bowman a lot. And they're like, also Frank is here, and he's another guy. (laughs) Cool. Like, he has a birthday party in the book, and they don't tell you what his age is. We know that Dave is 35, but Frank is, he's there too. Yeah. (laughs) He's the, and they're like, he's like the biologist other man. He knows things, but not quite the same. He's, he is there. Yeah, he's 100% on that ship (laughs) he keeps it going he's the special EVA one he's the guy that has to go outside right that's that's why we don't get to know him too well yeah Yeah. Yeah. in retrospect (laughs) yeah he'd be wearing a red shirt that's right yes he would Um, would. so they talk about a lot of detail how these two guys just kind of go through their daily lives, like mm-hmm. offsetting each other and being like, well, then I get up and don't really drive the ship, but I walk around and check things. And then I right. have a 
morning brunch, and then we talk, and then I go to bed, and then he does things while the ship steers itself. And, uh, they have three other crew members hibern hibernating, which for some reason are given names of <laughs> Whitehead, Kaminsky, and Hunter. There's a lot of things in this section that I'm like... I like my high school. Just your last names. What up, guys? <laughs> yeah. I feel like this section in particular is just him being like, well, I'm going to name this thing for no reason other than I want to put one of my friend's names into this book. Probably. Like, he well, names I mean, the pods Anna, Betty, and Clara. Like, did they need names if you're just going to do ABC? But just a stylistic choice. I'm, I'm trying to remember what... Like, they, they always use those kinds of names for, like, uh, uh... Is that, like, a military thing, maybe, he's trying to tap into? Could be. It's, you in, know? In computer science, they always use names that start with A, B, and C. Oh, yeah? Talking about, like, encryption and stuff. But, you know, you have A and B who are talking to each other, and then right. C who is, like, listening. Yeah. And just yeah. trying to figure out what's going on, but, uh... Yeah. Yeah, anyway... Yeah, so I uh, I was uh, at at work. I was participating in like a French conversation group, and uh, the woman who ran the group was named Odile. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, and she was talking about how like it's a strange name and like we've probably never heard of it. And I'm like, no, actually, it's used like all the time as an example in textbooks. <laughs> and she was like super surprised by that. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, like, what? I'm now I'm completely derailed by French conversations. Like, doing like <laughs> I'm picturing you doing like our workbook dialogues from high school. Uh, no, it was actually a lot like this. Uh, oh, we would conversational. Like, where we would like watch a movie or something, and then we would all come and talk about oh. it. Yeah. So there's oh. no sexy garçon du fromage. No, I don't Aww. think I. I don't think I brought that up. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think that would have given the wrong impression. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's some guys that are asleep. Well, yep. People and they're of the specialist team. undetermined gender that are hibernating. They're uh, dudes. Right. They're all men. Okay, they're dudes. Um, <laughs> Uh, we are given like a uh, flashback to Bowman recalling his test hibernation, which completely confused me for a minute. Which I mm -hmm. guess was effective since he was completely bewildered waking up from it too. Like, yeah. Uh, they talk about seeing a brief display of kaleidoscopic patterns and drifting colors, and then having a computer system waking him up gently, and feeding him via a metal arm and nipple with some sort of weird like. A Wake up, you bachelor chow. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. That's that's not disturbing at all. <laughs> nope. No. Especially and like yes, mechanical nip arm with a nipple thing. Yeah. I'm like what? machine replacing mother's milk, not symbolic. Yeah. Um, right. And he's spent. He wonders at least for a minute if he's already made it to Saturn or if he's and when he in fact he's just been asleep for a single week. Mm -hmm. uh, only a week. Only a week. Yeah. I could. I. I know that like 
Space Travel Hibernation is sort of a sonic screwdriver for all of these things, where it's like, it just works okay, but... Yeah, right. Like, I was sick once and slept for a day, and then I was starving and wanted to die. I can't imagine medically induced coma being a lot better to wake up from, where you're just like, you know what? Suck on that robot nipple for a minute. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it'll be fine. It's, it's probably like that scene in Austin Powers, you know? <laughs> Warm uh-huh. liquid goo phase, and then like you know, <laughs> yeah. have a shower, and then you pee for like like thirty minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so they talk a lot about the ship, although uh, it did kind of feel like a little bit of retread from the ships that we saw while they were flying to the moon. So. Mm-hmm. I didn't get too caught up on that, except to note that they have a big antenna satellite array that's pointed at Earth constantly, so they can still communicate. And that Dave always finds a moment to look back at the Earth at least once every time he starts his watch. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about it a little already, but they introduced us then to HAL 9000, the central computer system. We mentioned the very expensive, and they've only had a few models made. They, uh, I noted that in the, um, the, the intro script that was in my version of the book, Mr. Clark complained that people were like, but people think that it's HAL because it's almost like IBM, but different. But they name it in the book that it's, why it's called HAL. And in fact, he's called HAL because he's a heuristically programmed algorithmic computer and that seems like bullshit like that does not abbreviate to hell you're missing yeah, a bunch of whatever letters you want, abbreviation <laughs> and, and i would i would I've also seen some doozies in my time i'm like what uh-huh. okay <laughs> i would also argue that like heuristics and algorithms like uh, <laughs> you know probably alone aren't enough to uh, uh explain the intelligence exhibited no. i guess heuristics programs and and eventually eventually he describes it more like uh, neural network like yeah and and that to me is like uh, different from heuristic <laughs> and algorithm I no think. no but, uh, yeah don't worry about it it's how <laughs> it's just how how science computers yeah. yep etc don't think we about it too much <laughs> right yeah and. Uh, I was short-circuited by this, too, where he's making up, uh, apparently in the 1980s, there was a study by Minsky and Good that showed neural networks could self-replicate. Like, okay. Cool. I, for half a second, was about to Google that, to be like, I never heard of this before. <laughs> then remember that... The that was the future back then. Hadn't happened yet. Happened yet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Hal is completely Turing test compliant. He's past that. Mm-hmm. Can take control of the ship as the need arises, and they notice mis- or note mysteriously. He's the only crew member to know the real mission. Which, again, sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah, so that means they didn't even tell the specialist team that's supposed to know about this, everything? Probably not, actually. Probably not. Well, I think, Thinking about I think it. They, they mentioned if they know more than Bowman and yeah. Frank know, but... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's right. Maybe Hal knows the complete secret. Who knows? I don't know. 
I don't we'll know. There's, find out. there's still lots of book to read. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they do mention later, we're skipping ahead now, but uh, when they're talking to Dave and revealing the true mission to him, um, I thought they mentioned that they probably told the hibernating people or that they were going to learn about it when they yeah. woke up. They had a video. So. No, the hibernating people already knew. Yeah. The only ones who didn't know were uh, Frank and Dave. Yeah, and I'm, I guess they didn't tell them because they're recording these like YouTube videos to send back to Earth to be like, hey guys, life on the yeah. Discovery is pretty great. Yeah, That's kind of the gist I got from even though I'm thinking personally, it'd be like, well, they don't need to know yet, and they'll be asleep for most of it, so... Mm. The fewer people know, the fewer the chances of getting fucked up. But then they make it sound like, oh no, we wanted to make sure they had like pretty faces and good messages in front of the camera <laughs> yeah. to talk about it while people are interested. Yeah, you know. Be sure to like, like and subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> smash that like button. Yeah. Yep, hit the doodly doop. Some we of the ones to. say we <laughs> have to. <laughs> we have to outsubscribe T Series and PewDiePie or whatever. Right. <laughs> oh man, that's that's the sad thing, right? Like, if there was an actual mission to Saturn, there'd be like you know a thousand subscribers or something. Yeah, sadly, I think so? I think probably, I mean, well, there'd yes. probably be a bunch in the beginning, and then they would just fall off. Yeah, right. Because I'm thinking of that guy who spent like a year in space. He got some some play on YouTube, but it was like he did. It's not cool enough that I'm in fucking space. I'm also going to play you songs on my guitar. That's right. Yeah, he had to do some Bowie covers. Yeah. Or else like, uh, nobody was going to watch. Like, and remember, too, I'm part of a space science twin study. So. Oh, yeah. His, his identical twin stayed on the Earth. That's how they measure effects. That would be, like, so. the perfect test subject for me. It's like, your test is to not do things so you can be a control. Fantastic. <laughs> on it. You know, sometimes they sign people up for like, uh, hey, do you want to stay in bed for like pretty much a month? Uh, sure. Is there a paycheck or just food? Because I'm there. I'm just I'm curious. No, they'll, they'll pay you. <laughs> to like to move as little as possible and to eat exactly what they give you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's a good deal. Yeah. Nice. So uh, some slice of life space things that I thought were interesting. They uh, have, like, a master hibernation timer, which is, like, their dead man switch that Bowman and Poolbluff will be like, oh, yeah, I'm still up and about, so please don't take over the mission. I'm, right. I'm alive and stuff. And uh, I laughed when Dave brought Frank a squeeze tube of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, that's probably, that, that tracks, right? Like, astronaut food is... You know, pouches and squeezies, but... Yeah. Yeah, they make it sound, too, like, a lot of the time they just eat, like, essentially super microwaved food or something, too. It's yeah. like... You have the squeeze pouch coffee just for fun, you know? <laughs> the hipsters. Because that's a tradition. The hipsters you know? will do it that way, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like one of those energy jellies you can get in Japan. Yeah. yeah. It comes in a little pouch. Yeah, like... When you when you run like a marathon, you can have little goo pouches. Like just have goo pouches. It sort of tastes like coffee, but sounds awful. It is pretty bad. 
It's another reason like... to never run a marathon. <laughs> it does help you keep running, but it does feel like taking a shot in the mouth. Like <laughs> it's not great. Like uh, they okay. on, uh, on, uh, on the league, like. Uh... I can't remember the character's name, but he's like drinking one of those, and he's like, "Oh, what is that?" He's like, "Oh, it's it's spunk." <laughs> like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> what's 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 that called? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> anyway, yep. So the On ship, that note. the ship has a rotating section that simulates mm-hmm. moon level gravity. They're really keen on these spinny sections to replicate gravity. Yep. Uh, they mentioned the ship was created mm-hmm. in space, like the original Enterprise, not the retconned one. Mm-hmm. And sports a plasma drive. And they go into a lot of detail about their day and daily things, like Dave likes to spend his free time studying, watching space yep. Netflix. <laughs> yep. And they drop in that he especially likes the Odyssey, and uh, made note that he's going to eventually have to figuratively blind a space cyclops the single eye of Hal mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah uh, there we go hey parallels yeah they talk about being able to call back to earth with the delay of course but they also mentioned that all their girlfriends were very quickly uninterested anymore they're like it's kind of lame hard to <laughs> you're just going it's hard to, to keep keep a relationship going but I really wanted to ask you guys about this because they also say they de- after they say that they say they develop pharmacological substitutes. Yeah, and I don't know what for. Is it for right. women? Is it for <laughs> sex? Is it to That's kill good. the desire to have sex? Is it That's to simulate the experience? It's it's I just salt eater. <laughs> kill their sex drive or, or some kind of weird future magic pill that like gave them satisfactory imaginary orgasms I don't know it's probably to kind of kill the shit for a while that, yeah. is, uh, that oh. is the definition of Clark Tech right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh boy yeah, I had to put the book down and walk around my office for a while. I'm like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're focusing on the wrong part, maybe. <laughs> like well, this throwaway line about, like, a... What did he want from this? Pharmacological substitutes. Like, that's, you're being, you're being <laughs> too coy. You're talking... You talked about the spinny toilets, but you're glossing over Not the... sex substitutes. The space... Yeah. Uh, uh, fleshlights. Yeah. Oh man. Right. I mean, I mean, if that if that's part of the ship, I mean, like their relationship with Hal is like very different than I imagined. Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to side with him. He's like, I gotta get these motherfuckers out of here. Like, that's right. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I also noticed that they mentioned that um, Dave and uh, Frank are too smart to quarrel with each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's I mean, nice. that's that's one of the many things, I think, that they pointed out, that, like, uh, we've we've advanced beyond certain things. Yeah. You know, like, like uh, talking about how they all have, uh, 
I don't know how many PhDs worth of education or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've we've figured out education. We can just cram knowledge into people's heads now. Yeah. Right. And and apparently we can also just like make them smart enough to not want to fight anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, enough for that situation to be like, oh, I don't want to fight and like fuck up the ship and die. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like to come home from this mission. Yeah. I'm sure there's some aspect of that. Like, well, I've, I've, I've hung around with some smart people before, and it doesn't preclude you from being like, you know what, you used all of the pharmacological sex substitute. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you left the squeeze coffee out. <laughs> right. You're such a jerk. Yep. Yeah, just because you're smart doesn't mean you're not an asshole. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly right. In fact, I would I would argue that like the opposite correlation <laughs> applies. Yeah, in a lot of cases, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's see. So they fly through some asteroids. It was the they mentioned it is the only flight event that's scheduled. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pass asteroid seventy seven ninety four within nine hundred miles, which is astronomically very close. Although that number seems too big for me to comprehend. Um, and they take pictures and launch impact probes and do a similar yep. thing as they fly by Jupiter. And they spend a lot yep. of time talking about, man, that's big. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty big, man. What the probe saw. Uh-huh. Kind of the cloud layers. That's, um, that's in particular, kind of... I was like, I had to reread that a couple times. So I'm like, did I, I did, wasn't sure I was tracking it, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so they make the passage of Jupiter, wherein they lose the sun, and then they lose communication with Earth through radio blackout, but successfully slingshot around Jupiter. It yep. doesn't take them back in time to rescue whales, but it does add several thousand miles per hour. Yeah. If they keep to go around the sun for the time travel. That's probably right. Yeah. Uh, and they, <laughs> he dropped another one of these like foreshadowy lines that I made note of. Uh, so they slingshot around Jupiter and they mentioned that they gain thousands of miles an hour and infinitesimally they decrease Jupiter's rotation. Yeah. It says, time had not yet come when man could leave his mark on the solar system. Yeah. So is that going to be in like six more chapters or? <laughs> <laughs> could be many books away. Many you know. books away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even, or even just an allusion to like uh, yeah, we will eventually have the technology right. to just move stuff around. Yeah, you know? right. It, Definitely not right now. Yeah, I could be reading too much into it, but it just seems more histology. Like, okay, guys, wink, mm-hmm. wink. Like the narrator seems to be telling this story from a place where he's like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Well, I think yeah. I I read it kind of as like. Uh, just a general nod to like these sort of futurism ideas. I haven't read any mm. of the uh, further books in the series, so I don't know if it's uh, foreshadowing for something that happens later. But, um, but I mean, you know, like engineering the solar system is something that like is feasible with our current understanding of physics and everything. So mm-hmm. I just took it as that. Like, we mm. will eventually have the technology to do this stuff, but today isn't that day. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I'm insane now. Like, what are we going to... 
Why? What? <laughs> well, so, so I mean, think, Someday, think about it, if we survive. Think, think about it this way. Like, like in a few billion years, our sun, if we don't do anything about it anyway. And by mm-hmm. the way, there's, you know, there's technology available to us, again, with current physics uh, to, to change the sun. Mm-hmm. But if we don't do anything about the sun, it's eventually going to expand into a red giant. And yeah. uh, the Earth will be engulfed in the outer layers of uh, the the solar, uh, I don't know what you call it, the solar atmosphere, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, if, if we wanted to, like, we could find a way to uh, uh, move the Earth a little bit further away to keep it from uh, being destroyed. Right. Or, you know, and then after that phase is over, we can move it closer uh, so that uh, it doesn't get too cold, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I was imagining, like, well, we'll just move Mars a little bit closer so it's not freaking cold all the time. I mean, that's also a possibility, right? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. in, in the in the very distant future, I suppose. Right. Yeah. It's it's mostly just a lot of effort. Like I said, it's it's all, like, possible under known physics it's just right. it's just a lot of work and a lot of like mm-hmm. organization that we're not capable of doing right now i see yeah just get elon musk on it he likes that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> he'll do it yeah i hope totally fix that yeah <laughs> solve it for us all right so now they're winging their way off to saturn which they say is 167 days away and the boys mm-hmm. shake hands, because the first major step of their journey is complete. Um, so we kind of covered, covered my notes about this section, and just being, it seems like a lot of found work being laid, and general yeah. fantasizing about what interstellar space travel might be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just really setting up, man, they rely on this computer to do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Great idea. <laughs> I'm sure no. Of no consequences whatsoever. Not a problem at all. No, it's the future. You got to use that stuff, right? Right. <laughs> you know, like, then you only need two guys awake. Yeah. You never have to remember Nothing a phone to... number again. Just the, the computer right. knows it. What more do you need than two dudes <laughs> to help manage a ship? I mean, you know, there, it was a really fun. great idea to like use a conscious computer too. Like, <laughs> right. So. Right. Like, they, they probably could have done all this automation and stuff with, like, a, a simpler computer system. But, no, they totally. had to, like, really go way overboard. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hal does mention to himself later, he's like, if I have to, I'll just do this mission my goddamn self. So maybe they had a plan that if something goes really wrong, just Hal will go and talk to the spacemen. Yeah. And have to be so able all to you need is me. <laughs> So the next section, Abyss, opens up with Frank having his, you know, pre-recorded birthday party. Yay. Uh, which seems very sad. Because yeah, even in the recording, yeah. the family's, like, half-heartedly singing him happy birthday. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Hal sends a report that they have a communication issue, prints out a troubleshooting guide, and basically doesn't hand it to Frank, but gives it off to Frank... We'll have to do a spacewalk. So, uh... I'm, I'm actually curious okay. how much paper they carried with them into space. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that seems like they a don't heavy always thing need like, it, but, like, sometimes you do need paper, they're like... But they talk about... Is it paper paper, or is it, like, this weird newspaper, like, electronic microfiche they've got? It wasn't I really mean, clear. Right. 
Or was it a yeah, print command, like it's going to display it on the screen? I don't know. I envisioned, like, receipt printer. Okay, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Spit me that out too. from underneath something. Yeah, and this is where they talk about uh, Dave radioing back for approval, and they're like, okay, but could you just record its little YouTube video so we get yeah. more likes and subscribes and talk about the procedure you're about to do? Right, and then go out and fix your shit. Yeah. So Frank gets in a space pod, flies on out. I think he choose, does he choose Anna for this one, or does he go straight to Betty? I thought it was Betty. Betty is definitely I feel like used he's later. Uses Betty. Yeah. Uh, flies out in Betty the pod. Is Way better than Veronica for sure. Totally. Uh, <laughs> sprays a few new layers of sealant where there's been debris hitting the ship. Uh, mm-hmm. Leaves the pod to replace the AR-35 unit in the antenna, which requires some very delicate maneuvers, so he switches controls over to HAL. Yep. Powers off the antenna, removes and plates the faulty unit for testing. The replaced unit seems to be fine, though. The mission control's like, well, it's probably just a you know computer error. So, Frank and Dave chat about this, time. while creepily noticing that HAL is probably listening to them the whole time. Talking about how he's a fuck up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, about it, if it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a section where Dave and Hal kind of argue with each other over the test results. Where Hal's pretty much like, listen, I can't make mistakes. I can't have made a mistake. Right. right. Um, I'm not, it's not possible. Right. Um, That's a good attitude to have, by the way. <laughs> listen, I've worked, I have worked with these people, like, <laughs> yeah, works on my machine. That's yeah, the program. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unable to duplicate error, forming yeah. as is expected. So it's fine. Um, Mission Control sends them a new video, uh, recommending that they you know turn it off and on again, like reset how. <laughs> and coincidentally, yeah. as that recommendation is being made. Uh, the antenna shifts out of alignment with Earth and kind of gets garbled a little bit. Then, Hal reports another circuit failure. So Frank gets back in the space pod and goes back out. Uh, they make a note that during the mission, while Frank is you know, commanding Hal to help him out, Hal is doing all this stuff but not really speaking about it, which they say is unusual. Uh, while spacewalking and attending to the antenna, pod begins to move on its own. Drifting directly at pool. Miss poor Frank. They try to order Hal to stop, but it's too late. Yeah. Uh, yep. I noted that they're both both Frank and Dave are like stunned for a critical moment while they realize what's happening. Which reminded me of the the pig or whatever in the first section. I was like happily eating some grass before he got stabbed in the face or crushed in the head with a rock. Yeah. Yeah. So uh they see it happening. They order that to stop, but uh, Hal does not listen. Poor Frank is crushed to death and then dragged out into space. His decompressed spacesuit trailing behind the pod as it flies towards Saturn, and they make a sad note. On his birthday, yep. or maybe slightly after it, he's going to be the first man to reach Saturn. But he'll be, you know, quite smashed and dead. Yeah. Yeah. No. Poor Frank. We hardly knew you. Frank. We didn't even know how old you yeah, were. Barely did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and Hal was like, so how about that Frank guy? He was a pretty good crew member. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad about Frank. Yeah, what a shame. <laughs> and this is where I started thinking Hal of, of, as Hal of less of like a, like a homicidal computer and more like my kid when he's done something wrong. <laughs> and he thinks yeah. he can fool me about it. Like, man, it's too bad all those cookies got eaten. It's yeah. weird that you said not to, and now they're gone. Like, yeah. what do you totally think weird. I'm thinking, kid? Like, come on. <laughs> humans are uh, humans have a lot more practice at lying. I think yeah. mm-hmm. that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, they kind of talk about it, and Hal's just. Very mm-hmm. blasé for, you know, a murdery space computer. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> they, they kind of make it seem like he doesn't know he did anything wrong. Like, he's he's not just lying to him, but he's, you know, lying to himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like, there's something very wrong with him. Where he's, like, he actually doesn't think he made any mistakes. Yeah. Right. And, you know, he's, he's really, like, doing this... Uh, He's doing all of this to kind of maintain a delusion or something that yes. that uh, you know he's he's been like forced into a lie I guess and uh, yeah he really doesn't know he's doing anything wrong or something right there is a section a little bit later on where you get to listen to Hal's thoughts sort of and it does does seem then he's sort of like recognizing that either he made a mistake or something happened that he didn't realize was happening. Yeah. It was like some sort of impulse that he didn't he didn't consciously for, you know, a neural network to say consciously decide to do. So yeah, that's an interesting uh interesting type of flavor on it, like. Mm-hmm. So Dave decides he needs extra help, requests manual control to revive the other hibernating crew members. I was like, I mean, really, buddy, we can probably do this on our own, like you and me, bud. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just up. Uh, Dream I Team, baby, all the way. <laughs> yep. Adventures of Cat, Man, and Pig, that's what I've been calling us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, even though Hal's trying to kind of smooth things over, Dave recognizes this as a serious sign that something's wrong. Like, this computer shouldn't be behaving that way. Um, and though... Hal goes on to be like, I think maybe you're emotionally incapacitated. I should probably take over. Yeah, but I can remove you from Dave's, command. Dave's like, I'll shut this whole thing down. Like, I don't even care. I'll turn this car around. <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> when Hal's like, Hal's like, okay, don't disconnect me. It's cool. So they mm-hmm. break the seal on Whitehead. Um, He's almost alive again. and then Yeah. They st- <sighs> right. They start talking about him reviving even though he looks basically dead. And then, as Chris so eloquently put it, Yep. Suddenly, all there goes the, the air. All the airlocks are open, and the air is flooding out of the ship. So, yep. Dave... Um, He's got 15 seconds, or whatever it was he talked about. Yeah, I have another question I made a note to ask you guys about. Uh, so, at this point, he claims he could survive in the vacuum of space for two or three minutes if he had been prepared for it, but since he wasn't, 15 seconds is all he gets. Before his blood starts boiling. I've heard of that before, like if you're out in space, your blood will boil in the vacuum. Is that actually a thing, or is that just something that people thought might happen? I don't know, because I feel like it was a thing people were sure happens, and now they're not. 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, about it. Maybe you do, Chris. I think. I think eventually. I eventually your blood will be spoiled, right? Yeah. Like uh, the the thing that happens first is that all of the dissolved gases would come out uh-huh. under under the the change in pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my understanding is like uh, as as far as our. I guess as far as the current understanding, I suppose I don't think anyone's actually tried this. Um, but like, but like, if if you uh, remove all the air from your lungs, uh-huh. uh, you should be okay for like a little while. Yeah. So I'm going back to my research, which is a documentary called Event Horizon. Oh. Okay. And there's that <laughs> one scene story. where the guy has to jump from the one ship to the other, and he seems fine. Like, what yeah. is sort of leaking out of his like eyes, can... but do that for <laughs> if it's a short duration. I mean, I was I was actually like it's gonna, not an instant death. Yeah, I was I was actually going to bring up uh, uh, which which was the James Bond movie where the dude explodes in the submarine. Mm, I got nothing. Yeah. It, it, anyway, but yeah, that happens in the James Bond movie. Like one of the That's one the of the ones 80s from the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> one of those ones. Yeah, one of one of the um, uh, uh, like Roger Moore or Timothy Dalton ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Anyway, I don't, I don't know, man. I've seen very, very little of the James Bond. Oh, it's sad, but it's true. Future oh, topic for this, uh, for this. Yeah, homework. <laughs> <laughs> so Google says. Well, I shouldn't say Google. Google routed me to Stack Exchange. Does blood and saliva boil in outer space? They say when your body or water at body temperature is about 0.06 atmospheres. So when external pressure is below that many atmospheres, the water in your blood will boil. However, as water boils, oh. it cools because heat is carried off of the water vapor. So the boiling will cool your blood. I don't believe in okay. this. <laughs> I don't I mean, I mean, like this answer. This other answer from How Stuff Works automatically more trustworthy. Oh Stack yeah. Exchange because How Stuff Works. Science yeah. dot How Stuff Works. Uh, you could lose cons- consciousness in as little as fifteen seconds because there's no air pressure to keep your blood and body fluids in a liquid state. The fluids would quote boil. Huh. Huh. I don't know if I believe that either. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know what? Well, there's, fact... one, there's one way to find out. <laughs> in fact, remove yep. this whole section. Like, let's erase it. Cut it out. Because <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right? Dave's blood, in fact, does not boil. He makes it oh, to like yeah. a survival closet, pulls the little thing, and has a flood of O2. Phew. Yeah. Yay. Phew. He, uh,. Quickly puts on a spacesuit, empties the chamber like if your car falls in the water, equalizes it by flooding mm-hmm. the oxygen out, and immediately goes into action. Like, if it was me, I might have stopped for a minute. They mentioned you could have probably pulled it a second time and gotten more oxygen, but he does not need it. Yeah. It's right into his plan. He could have just stayed there for a minute and collected his thoughts. Yeah, a hot minute. But um, I guess given the situation of a... You know, artificial crewmate trying to kill you. Yeah, this is something I really wanted in this particular section is more of him actually thinking. Like, it seemed like a very interesting setup to be like, okay, 
this computer is smarter than me. Like, it can beat me in all of these thought games that I play with it. I have to outsmart him by only giving him enough information to think he knows what I'm going to do and then do something completely different. But -hmm. then that doesn't really happen. Like, it almost does. It's a very creepy thought that they're talking about, but instead he just, you know, goes and checks on the Harmony people and, yep, they're pretty dead. Um, Yeah. Pretty much dead. Uh, As expected. He makes his way through all the debris floating around in the ship. Goes into the authorized personnel only room, a uh, chamber with all of the hard drives, rows and rows of. Mm-hmm. Probably not, you know, punch card based, but. No. Hard drives. House architecture. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's all like microcomputer y. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Future. Like solid state drive. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, several visual input sensors. Hal tries to make some small talk while. Dave just kind of goes in there and thinks about how he's going to do a lumbotomy on the computer. Yep. Starts yeah. pulling stuff out. And this is where you get, you know, the classic movie scene. How narrating his own mind collapsing. Which is yeah. still super creepy to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think it's, like, it actually felt really sad to me. Yeah. Because, again, if you look yeah. at it as, like, this is a mentally ill machine. Uh-huh. And, like, you're having to kind of, like, uh, yeah, for your own survival, like, it's you or it, I guess. Right. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're basically deconstructing its mind. Oh. Yeah. Thinking, thinking about doing that to something that, uh, you know, seems conscious at least, like, that I feel like would be really difficult to do. Right. I agree. Yeah. I was thinking mm-hmm. to... Um... Jack Nicholson and uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, does that similar kind of feel like, okay, yeah, I did some shit, but did you really have to, you know, destroy my brain and kill me? Yeah, well, well I mean, to be fair, he killed like four people, so. No, I mean, I agree. It was not <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Not, it's it's also not cool. knowing, too. But I don't know, yeah, it's like knowing he has to do that when, if. And this shit hadn't happened the way it would, like, you know, it never would have been that way. How would have been with them the whole trip and yeah. fine. And, yeah. You know, but it had to happen so quickly. Otherwise, you know, they didn't really have the time yeah. to go, oh, Hal needs help or something. It's like, well, I don't want to die. Right. So I got to do this. But yeah, like it you found Chris he's narrating his, his own destruction of his mind. and. Yeah. He did kind of press you know. the issue when he opened the fucking space or airlock, though. Yeah, he didn't really have a whole know. lot of time to be like, "Hey, can we talk about this?" Because I literally right. can't talk with no oxygen. Right. And I mean, I mean, I I think uh, they also kind of implied they they would be able to put them back together again. Like, right. Uh, yeah. Right. I it stuck out to me that he was like, "Well, before I left on the mission, like in case you have to do this, here's how you do it." You won't have to, but just in case. I'm like, well, that was lucky. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, if if I could rewrite it, I'd make it be something he's just kind of attempting. Like, make it more of a crime of passion. Like, like mm-hmm. other Chris was saying, like, the heat of the moment, like, it's him or me. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, completely fuck the whole mission by destroying all the navigation systems, too. But I just have to do something. That would have right. been more interesting, more human, I think. Then just mm-hmm. like, good thing I trained for this because this is what I'm going to do. Like, yeah. I guess maybe they're trying to parallel like Dave is being very, you know, 
automatic and just carrying out his programming, just like Hal was to a certain extent, doing Whoa, what he thought right. needed to be done. But I don't know, man. Like people have made this whole scene into be like man conquering his reliance on technology, like maybe reverting to a more animalistic state would have been an interesting counterpoint. So yeah, they managed to silence Hal in a way that they could still fly the ship. Yeah. Uh, Dave gives everyone a burial at sea. Yeah. He takes the remaining pod and fixes the antenna, points the ray back to Earth and is like, listen guys, you won't believe what just happened to me. Right. <laughs> like, huh, well that was a doozy. Glad you made it through it. Yeah. Here's what's up. I like this note that he's like, he was only expecting his response to be like, well, goodbye, I guess. Yeah, like, can't help you. Sorry. <laughs> but, but, instead of a goodbye, our friend Haywood Floyd returns. All right. Mm-hmm. Recorded message from Mission Control being like, listen, okay, you thought you were doing this, but here's the real mission. Like, right. we needed to keep things quiet so the general public didn't freak out, but uh, we found this thing. Tells them about TMA1. Tells them yep. that they're really, really going to look and see if maybe there's a hostile alien civilization in Saturn. And yep. specifically in Japetus? 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 Anyway, I found out it's the third largest moon of Saturn. Right. Which, bigger than... Didn't this is bigger than Mercury? Or is that something else they're talking about? I can't remember. No, I don't know. But it's still big. It's a big it's moon. Big. It's pretty big, man. You know. Um, and it's got a, a shiny side we've been seeing since the 1600s. But yeah. apparently, according to this, is artificial. Yeah, that was an interesting thing. Like, couldn't just be like mineral yeah. deposits, right? They're like, no, we're pretty sure it's artificial now. Hmm. You know, it's like, hmm. How do you think this? How do you know? <laughs> don't worry. You about know, it. I guess we'll try to send the people. <laughs> don't, don't matter. No. Yeah. And so that's where they end our section with him. Now knowing his true mission, which doesn't seem that different from what he thought he was doing, except now I guess the idea is that he knows there's maybe aliens out there. Yeah. Right. Psychologically, it's very different. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And I could, this is where I'm like, I guess I could see them keeping this quiet from him until after launch. Right. So he's not like, okay, guys, like, I'm going to space and I'm probably going to die out there. Right. Before he leaves, but uh, at a certain point, I'd think, like, he's got to let you know about this, like, I don't know. Any other thoughts about our uh, treacherous computer or our journey to Saturn? Well, I'm just really curious to see uh, where things go, how they portray it. You know, yeah. these added extra book details. Kind of excited. I'm like, yeah, go find some shit, man. <laughs> Gonna be weird, bro. Gonna be weird. <laughs> Science fiction, right? I mean, <laughs> weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens too, because in my mind, like when Hal is destroyed, that's like the end of the story. Yeah, me too. That's and, how I feel. Uh, so, but there's so it's clearly more to go. Yeah, <laughs> apparently a lot more. Yeah. Like a bunch. Are we gonna have the weird sequence, the Star Child? Oh man, we'll find out. Don't get too far ahead. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of Star Child, uh-huh. I don't know that the timeline's right, but is David Bowman named that way because it's a reference to David Bowie and the Star Child? <laughs> no. 
No. Good question. I, don't... <laughs> I think that predates that, but I could be wrong. Short answer, no. Long answer, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the times before I was born are basically the same. <laughs> it's, it's all just one big thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, Starman did come out in 1972. Mm-hmm. But David Bowie came out before that. Oh. So, just saying. Interesting. Wouldn't that be a really different movie? <laughs> or would. David would, Bowie. Wouldn't it just be Dune? <laughs> no? <laughs> <laughs> wait. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that was, uh, wait, was David Bowie in that? Wasn't he? That was, I mean, no, that's Sting. Sting that's was in it. Sting. Yeah. You know what? David Bowie was in all movies. Yeah. What's David the Bowie crazy and... version of Dune that never got married? Wasn't Mick Jagger supposed to be in that? I can't remember. They talk about it on on YouTube and shit now. We're we're getting a new Dune movie now. Yeah. I know. We totally are. Yeah. Interesting. So now I guess we're going to have to read Dune. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yep. There's a I lot of it. it. There's a lot of it. We could just do the first one. Yeah. Is that is that all they're doing? For is now, a series like I've all I've seen about this is them like every actor ever is in this. If it's <laughs> successful enough, they'll probably do a series. But it's hard to yeah. I mean, hard to how, make Dune successful on a movie screen. That's that's how movies work now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's probably why they're trying things. to do it. Yeah, they've got like five books they can use, and then a whole bunch of other like kind of non canonical books, but also kind of. Yeah. yeah. So I know nothing about it except that there's spice and it has to flow. Yeah. Yep. It's the only way to navigate through space. Yeah. If you say so. so. <laughs> it is. If you say so. <laughs> the only way the navigators in the spacing guild can get ships from point A to point B. Good. Because <laughs> they can't use, use supercomputers because they had a whole war with the robots that almost destroyed them, the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they use pe- mutated people to do this shit, and they need the spice to see and calc- so their brains can uh, get prescient visions to kind of calculate trajectories. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's how that works. Okay. Or it's supposed to work. So see, we've that, covered we've that, covered Dune now, so we don't need to yeah. do it. Yeah, we don't need to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even uh, get into the whole Muad'Dib stuff. Yeah, don't, no. no. <laughs> that's the whole point. <laughs> There's a, I haven't watched a lot of stuff. There's a guy that's done a whole bunch of YouTube videos about this. Yeah. He started out with, his original stuff was like Game of Thrones, but he got into Dune because he's always liked it. And basically the whole point of Dune and all the books about it is to basically say, hey, Charismatic leaders, yeah, you probably shouldn't just follow them blindly. They need to come with warning labels. Right. So here's my uh, sci-fi allegorical tale to teach you this, to sh- and to show you that it's not just one person. It can be multiples and throughout time and generations. I see. Yeah. And you know, um, you have to you have to dig through like a lot of lore, I think, to like yeah. actually put that together. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds terrible. <laughs> Very uh, detailed universe. Yeah, I I did see something in like a thread about the movie that essentially boils it down to be like the most the first handful of books are just basically about a superhero in space. So I'm like, who didn't want to be one? 
I don't know. It had to be due to destiny and fate. And he made a son who became a giant sandworm <laughs> for 3,000 years. Just to basically, all of this, to teach humanity a lesson <laughs> about what actual peace means. He gave them actual peace. Mm-hmm. But he did that by taking away their choices to do anything and their ability to travel freely. But they had peace. And it was just to go, hey, you've all bitched about peace for your whole existence. Here's peace, motherfuckers. You ain't gonna like it. And one day I'll be dead and you won't know what the fuck to do anymore. <laughs> oh, so, you all. Sounds like my grandpa. To be- <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow, okay, good. That's Dune and it, some of the other books right there. Is it better or worse than Princess of Mars? Oh, better. Better? Okay. Yeah, definitely better. All right. Well, I saw that movie. Oh. Okay. That dude was like, Mars' gravity is shitty. I'm like Vegeta on this planet. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. pretty sweet. Mars book? I could swear I read somewhere amongst all the pages there was a reference to something, probably in a project name of Barsoom, and I had to chuckle because that's the name of Mars in those John Carter stories. Oh. Martians call it Barsoom. I'm like, hmm, I bet that was done on purpose, <laughs> Mr. Fox. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So, next assignment, finish the fucking book. Wow. And then yeah, we'll, we'll, come, it. we'll come back, and then we'll finish the book, and we'll know exactly what happened yep. when they get to the moons of Saturn. Exactly. And perhaps further. Yeah. Right. All right. Excellent work. So, do we have anything for our um, unnamed section? The what else section? What else are you enjoying right now? So I, I finished reading uh, The Three Body Problem. Oh, yeah. How was oh, that? excellent. I mentioned last time. Uh, it honestly, to me, feels like really classic like uh, 60s and 70s science fiction. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically with its like bent toward... Uh, uh, like trying to understand something of human nature, I guess. Mm. Okay. Um, and and uh, I think I can highly recommend it. Like the characterizations and like the the historical sort of backdrop of everything, um, mm-hmm. really really makes uh, all of the characters' actions like kind of believable. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are some really interesting ideas in it. Um, okay. Yeah, so definitely uh, check that out if you get a chance. I will have to. The three body yeah. problem. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I've been seeing it floating around again on like some lists. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely me. worth it. Or, original recipe, um, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> it's currently the Jester's Festival in Tamriel and the Elder Scrolls Online. Oh. That's what I've been doing lately. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, late at night, when everyone else goes to bed, I go to Tamriel. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Uh, yeah, otherwise, not much. Just doing that. I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah. Is it so glitchy, Shadow or have they fixed it? No, it's fine as far as that goes, for the most part. I still feel like every now and then they fuck up the... Uh, 
extreme resolution a bit for non Xbox One X's, hmm. but then it fixed itself a few days later. Hmm. Uh, well, it's okay so far. Good, good. So I kind of worked to get into it, but now I'm just kind of like, okay, well, I'll keep doing this. I'll keep sailing <laughs> around the AGN and uh, see what happens with the Cassandra chick, so. Interesting, but yeah. I don't do much with my life. <laughs> I was about Five to some job. I was about to say <laughs> I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game since three, but then I realized I really have only played Assassin's Creed three. <laughs> I started playing the yeah. first one, um, and got halfway into it, but that know. one's repetitive. Yeah, like is there? I made myself finish it. Is there any kind of story still in these things? Like it seems like there used to be. Uh, and now they're like, every year they're going to bring one out. Well, they did that for a few years, and they backed off on that for a little bit. Yeah. Now, they developed Odyssey and Origins at the same time, but with separate teams. Uh-huh. That's how that could come come out back-to-back. Back. But they took off some time in between. Because for a few years, they put them out every year, and they were kind of crappy, even though they were okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're still pretty... Especially Origins and Odyssey are very heavily story-reliant. Yeah. Even though they take place in time, you don't have the Templars. Yeah. They have other groups that you're dealing with, but it's a lot more. You know, Origins I liked more because it filled in some big gaps again with um, talking about the precursor civilization that you do. So it's kind of like, kind of like two in that regard. Two did a lot of that with Desmond. They took out some of the detailed stuff for Odyssey, which kind of a bit real sad. I liked that about Origins. Yeah. So, Stuff, you unlocked like memory sequences that played about shit that happened when the when their world fell apart and, and so they're telling to who to Layla, who's now the person in the in the present, Layla Hassan in mm-hmm. Egypt. Now she's just a female archaeologist with the assassin kicking butt. Well, <laughs> learning but um yeah, it's kinda of like and then each character story is pretty detailed too. Like Bayek and Origins is a whole big stuff of kind of a justice revenge story going on and also intertwines him with uh Cleopatra and Julius Caesar coming into Egypt to kind of overthrow her brother, Ptolemy, the last Ptolemy. Cassandra is... What's that? Because in Greek, for some reason in that one, like, people have some kind of, like, slightly overpowered superpower shit a little bit. Especially if you're fighting like Cassandra does. But she's also got the Spear of Leonidas, which was passed down to her family. So she gets, like, Spartan power abilities. Oh, you don't gotta tell me about Leonidas. I know all about him. <laughs> he was our high school mascot, so yeah, and yeah, he kicks, right. He kicks no. people into pits. Because that's fun. They have an ability where you can do that called Spartan Kick. <laughs> and you, can kick you can kick people off of mountains and kill them that way. It's pretty wow. fun. Um, Leonidas also is occasionally the Phantom of the Opera. So, oh, okay. Occasionally, yeah, I did not remember. <laughs> <laughs> So she's got a pretty big story, too, about finding her family. And where I'm at now, she just found her mother mm-hmm. and stuff. Grew up thinking that they were dead because of stuff that happened in her childhood. So there's all kinds of stuff like that and some cult they're dealing with. And it'll all lead back, I'm sure, to, you know, Isu stuff and precursor technology and shit like it always does. Yeah. But it's more... His last two games are much more, I think... Since they're such huge open worlds, they also have really detailed stories that you can kind of get lost in. It's not just a bunch of repetitive quests. I mean, they are kind of, but, you know, it's, it's, it takes place in different parts of the country. Yeah. Even though you do the same kind of shit, it's still different, you know, because you're talking with different people and collecting 
different bits of information and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> even though slaughtering people to fort is slaughtering people to fort wherever you are. Right. You know, it's not, it's not like one at least where that was really repetitive. Yeah. I thought, but I don't feel like it's as streamlined as a Ezio's story was. But you know, ten years apart in a much bigger world, I guess we'll do that. Yeah. Uh, and whatnot. So I don't know. I think they're interesting. I don't know what direction they're going to take take the games in, especially since we've kind of gone in the let's go to the ancient world. There's no Templars thing. There's really not really assassins either. Yeah, yeah it's still a free game. Hmm. So mm, okay, <laughs> like, like origins to get around that because like Bayek he ends up actually starting the assassins. Okay, like at the end of that because like, that just happened like when I finished the game a few months ago. Like he creates the assassin order. So that makes sense. Uh-huh. But Odyssey takes place like 300 years before that. So I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Hmm. <laughs> Like, uh, Cassandra's a, a Mystio. She's a mercenary. But yeah. she assassinates people with a Leonidas blade and shit like that. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not really anything to do with assassins yet, but yeah, we'll fudge that a bit. Yeah. You know? Do they still have any kind of the story with, uh, what's it called? Like, the evil company? Abstergo? Yeah. Um. Or is that just kind of falling away? They haven't shown up too much in Odyssey yet, but, like... I feel like in the older games, they pulled you out of the Animus a lot more than they do in these. Yeah. Like, I've only been pulled out once so far in Odyssey to meet Layla, see what she's doing right now. And then in Origins, you know, I only hopped out of there, like, maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. One of which was to help Layla, like, fight off some Abstergo people that came to kill her. Mm. But she was technically working for them when it started. And then she found shit, but she's not now with, with Odyssey. Okay. Um, I don't know. They're there, but not quite the same. They might might be like once I finish this game it might be at the end, who knows? But it's not like the other ones, especially with like three and four where you were like in Abstergo for some of it and right. things like that. It's not like that. Which I kinda I like that about those other ones. Getting kind of a glimpse inside of that company. Yeah. But I mean they just released an Abstergo fun pack, so who knows? Hmm. For for Odyssey, which I I bought, so she's got like Abstergo <laughs> armor crap. You know, yeah. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, so maybe they're planning to bring it in a little bit more, but I don't know, it's not quite the same. Which, like I said, I'm like, I don't know where they're going with these other than, like, hey, let's play games in the ancient, ancient world that we've done a really good job recreating. Right. That's fun. You know, but is it really Assassin's Creed? <laughs> I don't know yet. Yeah. You know, it'll build into it, you know, in this Maybe. wider world. There. So As long as people keep buying them, they probably will just keep doing the same, right? I do. Yeah, I buy them. I get the super fancy collector packs because <laughs> games I love, you know. Uh-huh. Gotta support them. Gotta keep giving them a reason to keep making more. Right. <laughs> but right. I have like all practically. Yeah. So you've been listening to our podcast where we exclusively talk about Dune and Assassin's Creed. That's right. <laughs> totally. We occasionally yeah, mention yeah. books and stuff. Book. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know. Yeah. When I played Assassin's Creed Three, I annoyed everybody that I t- talked to for like a month oh, while yeah? I was playing through. Like, you know what else you can do in Assassin's Creed Three? Like, you can start a homestead, and you get to build up a town, and you can help your townsfolk. Yeah, you, can. you know what else you can do yep. is you can go talk to Ben Franklin, and he's like, I lost all my journals, and you can go get his journals. Yep. You know what else you can do? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fun. I don't know why other people think that was yeah. annoying. <laughs> and my family hated me. Uh, see, I guess that's the difference. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you made it like sad. Like you wrong. You made it sad. Um, it was fun. I like your family. <laughs> so I mentioned this in the chat, and I just finished this book called The Power of Habit. And mm. I have a very bad habit of buying like these pseudo sciencey books 
I think are going to be like, oh, good, we're going to talk about, like, you know, uh, human behavior and, you know, psychology and uh, uh-huh. real scientific studies and stuff. And then I uh, get the audiobook so I can listen to it at work. And it turns out they're like, hey, um, do you ever listen, listen to Radiolab? Because uh, we do, and we wanted to tell you more about this one story. And they always devolve into these, like, well, this guy can remember things with a memory palace. This guy has synesthesia. That's weird, right? So this, I felt, kind of fell into that category where I looked at it and I expected it to be about, like, you know, how humans create habits and, like, how you can create good habits and, like, use it to your benefit. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of in it, but it was mostly just a whole bunch of little vignettes about things like, isn't it weird that they, you know, had this habit? And it uh, came to a point where I was like, do they know what a habit is? Or is like, was semantic, (laughs) what is that term? Uh, Semantic cessation, where it like stopped making sense what a habit was. They just use it for anything that humans do as a habit. Oh, okay, who knows? So, I mean, there's interesting stories. And one one by one, they're interesting. Talking about a lot about like marketing and how marketers can convince people like you didn't know it but you need to do this and once you do you'll get this reward of like have a tingly mouth when you brush your teeth that'll create a habit or people who are trying to sell febreze they're like man if your house smells bad you can spray this febreze but people like i live in this house and so i don't smell it so they had to create a habit or um I'm not going to be able to come up with all the other examples, but just a whole bunch of, like, business cases for habits. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and then a section where they're talking about sleepwalking as a habit and why it may or may not make you guilty of murder if you're sleepwalking and murder somebody. That was a little less okay. clear. That's the one where I'm like, I don't think you know what a habit is anymore. Like, right. sleepwalking no, is not really a habit. It's kind of a disease. Right. They had to get to, like, you know, whatever, 50,000 words or something. Right, right. And, so. like, uh, they they ran out of stuff to talk about, <laughs> I think, well before yeah. that. Yeah. As a quick aside, there was another audiobook I listened to called The Most Dangerous Nerd in the World, which Ooh. was supposed to be about hackers and stuff, and that definitely suffered from that problem, where they're, like, uh, they talked about the guy who started phone freaking and whistling into phones so he could get calls and oh yeah yeah uh-huh. yeah that made sense and then they're like this one guy though whoa he was chatting with this girl online and he totally was gaslighting her and then he raped her like just because they well, use I... the internet doesn't make him a hacker okay like <laughs> it's right. not the same thing so anyway this Eventually, in the appendix, they did come back to give you actual advice about how to start new habits, and I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. It's divided into three things, like an impulse, or like a trigger, an activity, and then a reward. So for good or for bad, like, you have some sort of feeling you need to do something, you do whatever, and then you get some sort of feedback. Mm -hmm. So that could be both the way you diagnose it, like if you're smoking be like, I usually smoke at 3 o'clock because I'm bored at work, and it gives me something to do, so you can substitute your activity to get the same reward. Or, if you want to do an activity and get a reward, figure out what you can trigger yourself to do, but 
Really, it could have been like a 20-minute book. It's just been that part, and I would have paid, I don't know, a dollar for it. So, Yeah. It's not... I, I don't highly recommend it, but I don't... I wouldn't dissuade someone from reading it or listening to it like I did. So... That is my thing for this this session. Cool. Yeah, it's all right. It's not that cool. <laughs> it's okay though. It's all interesting <laughs> stuff, you know. Anything intriguing is is cool. Yeah. Abbott's is just an interesting topic for me because I don't know. It's hard to because the vast majority of advice is for like regular people. <laughs> I like to read about it, but then I can't implement any of it because it doesn't work with my brain architecture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was then I end up talking on like Facebook groups with other ADHD people. Like, <laughs> so what's the crazy crap you've read about that you actually might be able to use? Uh-huh. Like, well, we tried this method, but most of us we just talk to each other now, and that's what we try to do. Yeah, what so works for people. But it's like, okay, yeah. neat. You know. What do other people do? How do they make that work? <laughs> well, you you drink uh, like six cups of coffee, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then you're fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What you do is you self medicate. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yep. And you have the uh, Zen state for a little bit, and then you're like, ah, yes. Yeah, see, that's, that's, your, that's your myself one. Your impulse is sense. that you're distracted and bored, so you yeah. drink heavily, and your reward is that you feel good for a minute or two. Yeah. Yep. And then repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you get, some, get some work done, and then you have like six more cups of coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's yep. nothing yep. wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Nope. It's, it, did, do what you do, right? it, it did kind of bring into focus something I've always done. At work, which is like, I'm working on something hard, so I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. Yeah. Because it's like, I think back to college and being like, I have to work hard on something. I'm going to have to stay up, so I'm going to need caffeine. At least that's what I told myself. But really, I'm like, I just want a minute to not have to work hard. Yeah. I want that little yeah, break of going to get the coffee and then the nice warm feeling yeah. in my, my chestal area while I drink <laughs> right. it. My right here area. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was our session for today. As a reminder, your reading assignment for next time is to finish the book. Like, the whole thing. And now it's time for a few on-second thoughts. First of all, science in general. I owe you a special apology. I shouldn't just reject sources out of hand because I don't like the answer that it immediately gives, even if it's on something ridiculous, like what your body does in the vacuum of space. Uh, secondly, the term I was looking for was semantic satiation, by the way, when a word is repeated so often that it loses all meaning. Today's episode was heuristically programmed by Chris, Chris Ham, and Chris, other Chris Jacobson, edited by me, Travis Rowe, and sponsored by no one in particular. Until next time, keep fucking reading.
You're already thinking about, uh, what is that place you said you were going to go to? Was, it starts with a T, there's like a festival oh. you're going to online. Tamriel. Tamriel. Yeah. You're thinking about Tamriel already. <laughs> he's already, he's already there. <laughs> he's like, if this guy would just shut the fuck up about habits, I could be indulging my habit.